Belly and the fish. Belly. Belly and the fish. Welcome, friends, to Belly and the Fish. I'm your host, Corbin, a.k.a. The Fish, and we got big old Ben Belly Smokes Hunter. And we are back. Good to be back. How are you, Corbin? I am well. It is a great Monday. It's been a couple of days since our victory, but it's still there with me. I'm still feeling the uh, the passion, the euphoria surging through my body. And we welcome back John Charette from the Sunshine State of Florida. How was your trip, John? I don't know if I'm glowing because of the wind or just because I got a little bit of sun. You look alabaster white to me, bud. Oh, it's just the lighting, Ben. Don't worry. <laughs> Did you rehearse that before you came on? Oh, I thought of that on the spot. Okay, nice. Well done. And then we've got our chief Packers correspondent. Brett Miller is back. Welcome, Brett. Thanks for doing this again, man. How are we feeling? Not great. Not great looking forward, but it's good to be back with you guys. Seems like I always come on after a loss. <laughs> two for two so far, man. It's tough sledding for you. I feel your pain. Trust me, I've lived my entire life feeling how you feel so i assure you things can get better i'm, I'm at the uh, the high point right now and things can get a lot worse too so been able to enjoy your entire life just destroying us and now it finally seems like it's a new chapter in the nfc north for us lions have taken a firm lead first place in the nfc north and damn it feels good when was the last time we had the, the lead in the nfc north after like more than a week uh, as a fluke or something. I couldn't even tell you, honestly. I feel like we've been tied a couple of times, maybe, but I mean, it hasn't even been since like 2014, 2016, maybe. We didn't win the, the division those years either. Never won the NFC North, and now there's actually somewhat of a fleeting chance. So I'm feeling good. It was a solid win. Chiefs, everybody thought it was a fluke. Seahawks, everyone panicked. Falcons, we're like, okay, we're back on track. But I feel like this is a statement win where everybody will take us actually serious this time. You know, these three games, it's not a fluke. Falcons, you can say what you want about them. Chiefs and Arrowhead, and then the Packers at, at Green Bay. I mean, these are, those are three quality wins. I mean, none of those teams are slouches. We played four good opponents so far. To take, you know, three out of the four, I'm happy with that. I feel like I keep picking the Lions to win every week and i'm like i should stop doing that but then i look at every matchup and until like baltimore in a couple of weeks i'm like we should easily win these games no i hear you brett i said it before the season too i wasn't scared of the bears i wasn't scared of the vikings but the packers will always scare me i'm just scarred i've got scar tissue i can't avoid it I mean, as soon as we threw that interception, too, I I had hope. But then as soon as we threw the pick, I was like, shit, man, this is going to be a rough day. You saw several years of bad starts and bad games flash before your eyes with a interception two minutes into the game. Yep, exactly. So you can understand why I was hesitant to dive in with all belief. But I mean, I just want to get your feelings on the the Packers situation this year. I will admit that I haven't been watching all of their games. This uh, this game against the Lions was the first game I watched in its totality. So how do you feel about Jordan Love and the general direction of the Packers? Yeah, man, it's uh, I would say there's optimism still for sure. It's you get used to having Hall of Fame quarterbacks for the entirety of my life. Um, and 
Oh, even the first year or two with Aaron wasn't great, but you just kind of have those growing pains. We have a pretty young team. Uh, we'll get to the kind of burning bag of dog shit people later, but uh, Matt LaFleur is definitely up there. Yeah. You're losing faith in LaFleur? Play calling's terrible. Very, very bad. And on a scale of 1 to 10, what's your comfortability level with Jordan Love so far? I, I'll give him a 7 out of 10. You know, he's, he hasn't played great, but moving forward, I think he's shown enough. And uh, I like what he's done. I mean, the Saints win was very impressive, even for looking terrible for three quarters. But I don't know. It's uh, with having half of our line out, and it doesn't look good for David Bakhtiari coming back anytime soon uh which is for the season the optimism is low but i think in totality it's higher i mean i'll tell you the truth i mean jordan love like i don't think he's going to be a hall of fame quarterback i don't think you're going to get three straight take that back right now no no i can't take it back i don't think he'll be a hall of famer i do see flashes and what he can do i like how he can he is pretty accurate with some of his deep balls which is I feel like that's something that you need to be one of the elite quarterbacks or at least somebody who can get that second contract. I know he kind of had his two-year extension already, but it's nice that they finally, you know, let him like unleashed him a little bit, I guess, just to see what he can do. But I don't know, man. I mean, it's only been four games into his career as a starter. Uh, He's had some good games and bad. I know that he had the comeback against the Saints last week, but and he really couldn't do anything in that first half. A lot of it was due to the offensive line, but at the same time, there was a couple of times where I saw him kind of panic, I guess, and throw some inaccurate throws, just kind of throw it like 10 yards in front of, I think it was uh, Jaden Reed who was running down on like a post route where he just totally missed him. So I feel like there's some things to clean up, but tools-wise, I mean, he's a good thrower of the football, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I like the way he throws the football. I, I think... That's why I talk about Matt LaFleur who's calling the plays. They just haven't done anything to really set him up for a lot of success. They don't use his athleticism enough, I don't think. And with having half of our line out, they're running very long developing plays, deep routes that when you're playing the Lions with Hutchinson and the rest of the line, you just you don't have that time to sit back there. And then I, I don't blame him for getting a little bit panicked waiting for someone to break open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll tell you the truth. I did not think we would be able to get after him the way that we did in terms of pass rush because you look two weeks ago, we couldn't rush four against the Seahawks and they had two backup tackles and then a backup center for half of the game too. So I was surprised to see us come out in that first half and do what we did without even really blitzing. So I don't think we blitzed at all in the first half, maybe even all game. So it was pretty impressive. Yeah, when you're getting to the quarterback with four, I mean, that's just not a winning recipe for the offense. Let's get to the game here. Lions, of course, went to Green Bay to take on the Packers in a away game, and we won it 34-20 to 20 in control the entire time. The line opened at Lions minus one, and it closed at Lions minus two. So damn near a pickup most of the week, but when all was said and done, it was really no problem for the Lions to walk out with a win there. They were in control for the entire game. Kind of a tale of two halves. The Lions started off super hot, let the Packers crawl back into it a little bit in the second half until they finally just kind of ran the ball down their throat and ran out the time. So we'll start it off with Jared Goff, and I mentioned it earlier, but when 
you know, on the very first drive, I think on the third play, Jared Goff started off with an interception. Our defense held, held him to a, a field goal, and then he marched right back down the field and scored a touchdown of our own. So we've seen that when he does throw an interception. He's had one the past three games, which is a little concerning. But for the most part, he's taken good care of the football. But what I wanted to say is how he responds after he makes a mistake. Most times he's going down and he's putting points on the board. You know, he doesn't let it bother him. He doesn't feel uncomfortable. He doesn't, you know, have that hesitancy to put the ball on the spot or, you know, doubt his offensive lineman, something like that. So he really bounces back when he does make those mistakes. And you saw him moving around in the pocket pretty well. He scrambled a couple of times, including down on the red zone, almost punched it in there for another rushing TD. But I think he's getting a little bit too uh, ahead of himself. And then the other thing, too, is, I, the broadcast mentioned this, but there's just no stopping the play action, and a lot of that has to do with Jared Goff. He's really good at his ball handling, just selling those fakes, and it really helps set up the play action, You know, even on the run as well when he just kind of pulls it and pretends to drop back for play action when it's really a run. He's looking really good at that. I mean, you watch him, and he is pretty elite about that. I had never thought about it until the broadcaster said that, so... He took a couple of licks this game, mostly in the second half. Offensive line and pass protection could have been a little bit better. You know, you've seen him the past couple of weeks, a little slow to get up, and I don't like to see that. Teddy Bridgewater is a great guy to have waiting in the event of something happening, but Jared Goff has been great. I mean, he's been a top-10 quarterback, and he's started off on the right foot from where he was last year. So statistically not his best game, only 210 yards, a touchdown, and the one interception, but running the game our running game was really what we relied on starting with david montgomery he played 71 percent of snaps compared to jameer gibbs only played 37 percent of the snaps and you know i'm glad that we got him back because we really needed that bruiser type running back to just kind of pound it between the tackles our offensive line did a great job their blocking scheme they had holes as wide as the nile i mean he could run all day through those and he had a nice game as a receiver too 32 carries 121 yards three touchdowns and two receptions for 20 yards so very efficient Mir Gibbs on the other hand I don't know if you watched him a lot so far Brett but I think that while David Montgomery is performing as well as he is we've got to have it you know that kind of 70 30 type of split I like Jameer Gibbs as the change of pace running back. I like him catching passes out of the backfield, but David Montgomery is just too good to take out. When you loosen these guys up, I mean, you saw how easy it was to run the ball in the second half, and Jameer Gibbs was very efficient, which I like to see. But if we give David Montgomery, you know, those 20, 22 carries, I want to see Gibbs with 8 to 10 and then a couple of catches out of the backfield. I don't want to wear him out either. So it's nice to have David Montgomery. It shows that we got a real upgrade over uh, Jamal Williams this season. And once Jamo comes back, it's going to be nice because he's going to spread the defense out a little. And then Gibbs is going to be there for the underneath stuff. And once we get him in open space, I feel like he's going to find a lot more success doing that. You know, we don't need to burn him out too fast. I thought Quay Walker did a really good job in uh, pass protection, too, covering Jameer Gibbs. He had a couple of good looks on him. How do you feel about trading away DeAndre Swift to not utilize a first-round draft pick? And you could have gotten someone like Jalen Carter, possibly. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. obviously. Jalen Carter is a beast. He's looking great. But at the same time, 
the situation wasn't right. You know, he went to a defense with a lot of vets, a lot of former teammates in Georgia. We don't really have that. You know, we got a pretty young core. So you can't really say like plugging him into our defense and plugging him into the Eagles defense, you know, it would be the exact same. It wouldn't be the same transition in my opinion. You know, obviously he's a great player. There was no doubt in that, but it was just the off the field concerns. In terms of taking Gibbs, I mean, a lot of Lions fans, myself included, were critical of taking him where we did. But at the same time, I do think that he contributes to the team. Now, he's not going to be – he's not like Bijan, you know, who's going off for 20, 25 carries, doing everything. He's their entire offense. Gibbs is just a small piece to the puzzle for us. And he brings an element that we don't really have on the team. I mean, at least in, you know, in the short term with David Montgomery doing what he does, I think that Gibbs is kind of more of a long-term guy for us. You know, we want to preserve him. We want to have him as that home run guy, and he hasn't hit for like, you know, a super big gain or anything just yet, but he has been very efficient. I think once J-Mo comes back, we're going to utilize him a lot more as a receiver, and that's when people are going to notice what he really brings to the table. Uh, what a lot of people say is just because of fantasy football, they're pissed because David Montgomery is getting these touches. But I could have told you before the season started this year, David Montgomery is the guy that you want. He's going to be the bell cow. Jameer Gibbs is going to be more of that receiver kind of guy. Four games into someone's career to say that we're just not utilizing them and they're you know never going to live up to their draft pick just seems a it's like today's day and age, everyone needs to play right away or else they're a bust immediately. And they need to contribute like Bijan is doing right away. Obviously, you'd rather have Bijan, but I don't love, if I'm Bijan like long term, I don't love how many touches he's getting as a rookie. They're beating him up. Yeah, to, to say he's a bust already or anything of that sort, it's just it's such a snap reaction like everything is in this day and age. Just give the guy time. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about Jameer Gibbs. I mean, I don't really care about the fantasy football aspect, especially when it comes to the Lions, as long as we're having a good run game. And you've seen Jameer Gibbs, like when we rolled him out against the Chiefs, we didn't really use him a whole lot. You saw a little bit of hesitancy, a tendency to bounce it outside a lot. But these past couple of games, he has really improved between the tackles, which I like to see. He's more of that running back instead of like in college where he could just bounce it outside and just beat everybody in foot race. It's not that easy in the NFL. So I have seen some improvements out of him running between the tackles. And, you know, usage will come. He's a smaller back. He's not going to be, you know, the Ezekiel Elliott type of guy, the David Montgomery type of guy. You'll want to get him, you know, 10, 15 carries max, and then utilize him in the receiving game. That's where I feel like he's going to be the biggest threat. I feel like they just, they envision his usage in the future like Kamara was in his prime on the Saints. Uh, but it, I think it'll take a little bit to get there. Kamara was a sensation his rookie year, obviously. This is not the perfect comparison, but. He's averaging 4.6 yards a carry, so it's not like he's a bum. And you're right with the comparison to Kamara. They showed Kamara's stats for like the first four games of his career, and he didn't do a whole lot right away, and then they started increasing his volume, which I think will probably end up happening with Jameer. But... Yeah, and Kamara too. I mean, you can compare him to Jamal Charles. You can compare him to Kamara. Like I've seen those comparisons, but I mean, it's not one size fits all. I think Kamara is more of – I mean, he's bigger for one – 
but the way that Jameer Gibbs is going to win is his speed and getting him in, in situations where he's in the open field. And you can see Ben Johnson trying to make that work. When you've got Quay Walker covering Jameer Gibbs, and I'll do respect to him, I mean, he's a solid player. I mean, he has helped us out in these, these past couple of games here with those boneheaded penalties. But, I mean, I was impressed that he could get out there in the open field and stop Gibbs. There was like two or three times where we threw it to Gibbs in the flat and Quay Walker was right there to stop it. If he doesn't make that tackle, that's a huge gain. You know, that's at least a 20-yard run right there. So he was fortunate to make those tackles, and kudos to him, you know, but – those are the type of situations we're trying to get him in. If he can make one guy miss, he can take it to the house. And you can't say that a lot about a lot of the NFL running backs today. Well, we're talking about the Kamara thing. I was just looking back at his rookie season, which was 2017. And he had very modest usage up until week five when Mark Ingram went down. And then you start to see a big uptick in his production. So it's a product of circumstance right now more than anything. And I think everybody's overreacting. Yep. Nope, I'm with you there. Yeah, running the ball was definitely our bread and butter this past week. Um, receivers, I mean, we had some solid games. Amon Ross St. Brown had five catches for 56 yards and a touchdown. Also, one beer poured over his head by a nice female Packers fan. I don't know if you saw that, Brett, but. Uh, I mean, you're coming into the fans' territory. Got to expect that. Probably a spotted cow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he said that he had a little buzz on after the game from that, but. <laughs> Everyone's got to do the Lambo leap. How come the Packers are the only ones who can do it? It's not fair. But yeah, I mean, we didn't really utilize him too much. He didn't get his usual target share. But then again, I mean, in the first half, we didn't really need to. And then in the second half, it was clear that we had to focus on running the ball. So, I mean, not everybody can have, you know, 10 catches, 100 yards every single game when you're running for whatever we had, I think probably 200 yards rushing. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but we banged it on the ground. Sam Laporta, he had a great game too. Uh, five catches, 56 yards. He could have had a touchdown in the red zone. He had two blockers. If he would have cut outside, I think he could have squeaked it in, but I think he took a step inside and it got him tackled. And he did have one drop in the second quarter, but really bounced back on later on that drive. He had a nice catch during a scramble drill. I think it was Rasul Douglas in coverage too. So that was a nice bounce back for him. He was moving the chains. And then Josh Reynolds, speaking of moving the chains, he had uh, three catches for 69 yards. Every one of those were first down, like 15, 20-yard chunks at a time. So he was pretty consistent. Not a lot of Khalif this game. He did have a 40-yard run on that reverse. So that was cool to see. I mean, we could really do anything that we wanted offensively. It really started with our offensive line. We had some banged up guys. Taylor Decker was back for the first time in two weeks, but you could tell he was kind of hobbled by that ankle injury. There was one time where I saw Rashawn Gary kind of bull rush at him and you could see him kind of like gimping back. So it was a little scary. It sounds like he's going to be good to go for next week, but he had a couple penalties too. So not the cleanest game from deck. Glasgow got beat a couple of times too. Overall, I was happy with it. I mean, he's a backup, so, but Penny Sewell was just burying guys into the earth because you saw the, uh, that one of the touchdown runs, there was a screenshot on the left side of just a wide open hole for David Montgomery. And then you look over to the right out of the screenshot and you just see Penny Sewell just putting a defensive lineman into the dirt, like a fucking ostrich. He's just a man amongst men. And he's only like 22 years old. Like an ostrich. Yeah, putting his head into the dirt. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you got it now. That one went over my head like an ostrich when it's in head its head in the dirt. Yeah, okay, nice. 
<laughs> but yeah, I'd say that the run game, we look dominant pass protection, definitely some stuff to clean up in the second half. And one of the guys who kind of stood out to me who didn't have his best game was Jonah Jackson. And I don't know if it's just because he was on the injury report going into the week, but he looked a little bit slow. He gave up a sack and a TFL. I don't know the past couple of games he just hasn't looked like his pro bowl self and he's in the contract year this is his last year of the contract so i don't know if it's going to help us get a better deal or if we might just decide to move on you know pick somebody up and an early round and roll out them as a starter or maybe develop soresdale so i mean there's a lot of guys i'm in st brown hutchinson penny sewell that we're gonna want to resign golf is gonna need an extension too and Jonah Jackson, I mean, I just don't know if it's in the cards to give him a big contract. What do you guys think? I'm trying to look at our salary cap situation for next year because, like you say, we've got some extremely important pieces that we need to pay that there's, like, no way we're letting them go. And, I don't know, a starting lineman you could find on the open market for not too expensive, but I don't really know what he's looking for. Well, I mean, some of the top paid guards in the league are getting between like 15 and 20 million. Like Quentin Nelson on the Colts, he's getting 20 million a year. Even if we get him at 15, I think that's kind of a discount. I don't know, man. I mean, you might just have to let him walk, unfortunately. And, you know, performance wise this year, I mean, I could see it going into the offseason last year. We thought that we might try and extend him and get him for a little bit of a discount, but after what we're seeing this year, I mean, I don't want to spend any more than $15 million on them, I don't think, especially when you can find a plug-and-play guard in the second or third round. You know, they they can become immediate starters for us. That's what Jonah Jackson did. We got him in the third round a couple of years ago, and he was a starter since day one. I don't know. I mean, I just think that the play that I've seen from him this year just hasn't warranted a new contract, so keep an eye on him. Maybe it's an injury. He is great pulling. You know, you see him just level some motherfuckers every now and then, but... You know, if you're giving up those sacks and those TFLs just getting beat, I mean, you can't have it. I mean, Glasgow, he's kind of the the uh, replacement guy over Big V, and they've kind of been, you know, in the same tier in my opinion. So, I know it's a long season, but the past couple of games, he's just kind of been on my radar as one of the guys who has uh, taken a step back from what we have expected so far. But Let's move on to the defense here because th these are really the stars of the show. Again, two weeks in a row, we shut down the Falcons. And then the first half, I mean, it was an absolute shutout against the Packers. Aleem McNeil on the defensive line, one sack, a tackle for loss. He was bringing constant pressure. He had two back-to-back -back great plays in Packer territory to pin him back and force a punt. Charles Harris, Kaminsky, and Bugs all had sacks, and Kaminsky was kind of the unsung hero this last week. He had seven pressures, and he was just running sideline to sideline, making tackles. And then the star of the show, it's Aiden Hutchinson. He just continues to show that he's one of the best in the game. I think he's tied with maybe Micah Parsons and uh, TJ Watt, maybe, or Max Crosby, I think it is for most pressure in the NFL with 29 through the first four games. And I mean, you really saw him kind of move all around the defensive line, too. He did a little bit of that Miles Garrett role where he was kind of bouncing back and forth, deciding where he wanted to line up. And six-plus pressures in every single game this season, one-and-a-half sacks on the game. He was an absolute monster, and the sky's the limit for this guy. After a slow start, I guess you could say, without seeing those sack numbers, he's turned it on these past two weeks. You think it would have been too much different if David Bakhtiari was in the game, Brett? Uh, it's hard to say. I 
they were just getting after from every angle, honestly. I was, I'm looking at the stats right now. I mean, there were 11 QB hits to the Packers, six, and you guys had five sacks. So, I mean, it probably would have helped a little bit. I don't frankly think it would have changed anything at the end of the day, though. Well, I think I was talking to you about it right after week 18, but going into the draft, you guys obviously had a couple of places of need, but you ended up taking Lucas Venes. And right after that went Broderick Jones, I believe, out of Georgia. I think he went to the Steelers, I want to say. Don't quote me on that. But how do you feel about the pick Van S over a, a tackle? You know, somebody who could eventually replace David Bakhtiari or at minimum would have been good depth for you in a game like this. Yeah, and kind of like you are talking about with Jameer, it, it's twenty twenty at this point. But I, I'm wondering if they didn't think – David's knee was as bad as it probably is. And I honestly don't know how much more of a career he's going to have at this point. He hasn't played many games in the last three years. So I, at this point, I would have said we should have taken a backup tackle and kind of let him go from there. But, yeah, it's, our line's in tough shape. From going from having one of the best offensive lines a couple of years ago with Aaron to this, is it's tough. How has Van Ness performed so far? Like I said, I haven't seen too many Packers games, so I really don't know. I think he made a big play against the Bears, but... Honestly, that might have been his only big play. He's the guy I've been most impressed with, frankly, is Quay Walker. I mean, he kind of killed us at the end with that penalty on the field goal, jumping over the center, which ultimately I think was a iffy call. But, um, yeah, it's... Uh... For a first-round pick, to not hear his name a whole lot through the first four weeks kind of sucks, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, these guys are still rookies, too, so I don't look into it too much. I mean, we've got the two second-rounders, Laporta and Branch, who are outperforming Jack Campbell and Jameer Gibbs by a mile. And, I mean, you know, they've been, Campbell and Gibbs have played all right, but it's just kind of a testament to how Branch and Laporta have played so far. And, you know, Van S, like you kind of knew he was kind of more of a raw traits-based guy that you had to develop going in. You know, he was kind of that hybrid defensive end, defensive tackle kind of guy. Um, and then, I mean, he wasn't even a starter at Iowa, you know, so I feel like he's more of just kind of a rotation piece for now. But when you're on the defensive line, it's always a rotation. Like Aleem McNeil, right. he's our best defensive tackle, and he's only playing like 60% of the snaps. Hutchinson, even last year, like, you know, the number two overall pick, we only had him in like 70% of the time. Now he's playing like 80, 90% of the game. We can hardly get him off the field. So he'll come along eventually. But, yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear that the Packers offensive line was decimated. I said it earlier, but I mean, we could just rush four and we had no problem getting to Jordan Love. I mean, we could do whatever we want. And I think that Aaron Glenn has kind of pivoted his game plan. Um, like when we played the Seahawks, he said that it was more of like a contain, don't let him get out of the pocket. But when you're pushing that pocket in, forcing them to step up or panic, take their eyes off from downfield, that's just as good as contain. Like you didn't see Jordan Love really try and scramble because there was nowhere to go. And then we would just push the lineman back into him. And Hutchinson on that first sack, he literally just pushed the guard all the way into him and then just grabbed him right in front and took him down. So there's a ton of ways to skin a cat, right, Bill? Just a ton. 
Yeah, I mean, it started with the defensive line. They were bringing pressure, but the linebackers, we did a great job on that front too. Derek Barnes, he left the game for a little bit in the third quarter with a, what looked like a cramping injury, but bounced back. He had six tackles, and he continues to just fly all over the place, and he's definitely the most improved player on our defense this year. Alex Anzalone was good too, you know. There's some hits and misses, but I think a lot more hits than misses this game. He had that tip pass that Jerry Jacobs picked off as well. So Jack Campbell, he played okay. You saw him making a couple of tackles here and there. And we used we used him a lot more of that Sam linebacker role. We brought him off the edge, dropped him into coverage from there. So it's nice to see us kind of moving him around the line. And Rodrigo, he only got seven defensive snaps. So that's kind of what I was talking about last week when I said I'd like to see the Barnes, Anzalone, Campbell combo in there a little bit more than Rodrigo, bring him in for certain situations. But obviously our defense feasted, so hopefully that's part of the recipe for success. I think we found our three key guys, and Rodrigo's just kind of the odd man out at this point, sadly. I have been admittedly kind of an Anzalone hater, and uh, I missed last week. And these last two weeks I was like, damn, he's playing so well. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. I've been I've been hating on him a little bit, so I gotta I gotta give him his flowers. Yeah, he's been savvy. He's kind of just all over the place. So the defenses look great. I don't know what Aaron Glenn did exactly what they told those guys, but they are absolutely back. And then we'll move on to defensive backs here, starting with Brian Branch. He led the team again in tackles with seven, even though he was injured. He left in the third quarter, but eventually came back. I think everybody kind of held their breath thinking that maybe it was an Achilles injury, but saw him go out on the cart, come back with a shit ton of tape on that ankle. Um, but then eventually he got hurt again, re-aggravated it. So we had to take him out in the fourth and we already kind of had a uh, somewhat of a lead then. So there's some questions as why we put him back out there, but I think it's more of a testament to branch. I mean, he's just a competitor. He wants to be out there. He wants to put a hit on some guys and, I mean, I love Brian Branch. He is the steal of the draft at this point. I really, I wanted him in the first round, getting him in the second and just, you know, validating that we were all kind of right about that, seeing him do what he's done. I mean, he is just insane. I mean, at this point, like, it's not crazy to say that he is one of the front runners, if not the for defensive rookie of the year, but he's putting himself into the conversation as one of the best corners and defensive backs in the entire NFL through these first four weeks. He is like just constantly making plays. He's always in the right place. He hits really hard, but also with like really good form too. He's not flying by guys at all. He just looks so solid. Great vision, everything. Probably my favorite line right now. And I like that he wears his mouthpiece as an antenna on his helmet. (laughs) Me too. The very first week, some we were watching the game at a friend's house, John and I, with like five other guys, and it was uh, Eric, actually. Mark goes, just, what is that green thing sticking out of his head? Like, is that like the green dot or something? Like, I'm like, what? Like, no, that's a fucking mouthpiece, dude. <laughs> he he thought he it. had it's an antenna part. coming out. Yeah. <laughs> just getting the play calls from the coaches. <laughs> Uh, But some other guys who had some good performances here. Start with Jerry Jacobs. What a bounce back game. Five tackles, two interceptions. He had a nice force out in the end zone on Jaden Reed, too. We caught it in the back of the end zone. He just pushed him out, didn't let him get those two feet down. So 
struggled a little bit the past couple of games, but man, what a bounce back for him. He's just right place, right time, good awareness. And he was very physical too. He had one defensive pass interference called on him in the third quarter, which I thought was kind of bullshit. I thought it was really just sticky coverage and it was pretty lame to see that happen to him again. But I think that these uh, officiating crews have their eye on him because they know he's a physical defender. So it's something that he's got to look out for going forward. And Cam Sutton, too, just a sneaky hero. I mean, you didn't really see him too much, which I feel like it's kind of been like that for every single game, except that one play where he just flipped Aaron Jones 360 in the air right onto his head. That was a fantastic hit. And uh, Tracy and Iffy have been doing that, too, up against the run. On that one tip pass that Anzalone had, Tracy came right up and just smacked Christian Watson, and then Jerry Jacobs was right behind him to take the interception. And you just see Tracy Walker do the step over, didn't even realize that Jerry Jacobs had picked it off. So <laughs> he did drop another interception this game, not quite as bad as last week, but he's going to get one of those eventually. He's just in the right place, right time, too many times, and those hands will come through eventually. Let's talk a little bit about the coaching staff. Dan Campbell, I mean, there's not a lot that you could say because it was pretty well-rounded defensively, offensively, and it just goes to show how Dan Campbell has really changed this culture. He's really kind of the owner of the Packers now, Brett. Four and one in his career as the head coach. I know you don't want to hear it, but it's the dawn of a new age, man. He's changing Is it up. really four and one? Four and one, yeah. I did not, I did not realize that. That's extremely disappointing uh i am i think skipping's gonna be ruined um so <laughs> i'm not particularly looking forward to that uh my hopes for that game are minimal hey i've had a lot of thanksgivings ruined you only get a thanksgiving game like what like maybe every five years because you got i mean well i guess the bears aren't always in it but i feel like the bears have been playing on thanksgiving a lot lately but yeah it's been some uh, some lonely Thanksgivings for me. You know, you kind of lose your appetite and it's no good. But, hey, you got some time to turn it around. Maybe you'll get better from some of these injuries. But, yeah, coming to Ford Field, it's not going to be easy. I know when I was there last year for the Bills, it was a, uh, a raucous crowd. So it's not going to be any easier for you in Detroit in a couple of weeks here. No, not at all. It, and we're going to be playing a pissed off and actually good Lions team this year. At Ford Field uh, on Thanksgiving, where they don't have a great track record, and they're going to be uh, hungry. So, yep. yep, it's funny you say that because that's what Dan Campbell says about the boys. They look hungry out there, and it's true. I mean, the Seahawks. I think that was a real eye opener, and these guys are like, okay, we we've got to stop fucking around. We're not going to take any of these teams lightly. You know. Packers obviously hit two and one coming into the game. It's a rivalry. I mean, you don't really need inspiration to get juice for that game, but you got the Panthers coming up next week, a team that kicked our ass last year. And I don't think just because they're undefeated or they haven't had a win yet, they're 0 4 that the Lions are going to take it easy on them. I think that they're going to come out guns blazing, just ready to go. We'll talk about them in a little bit here. Ben Johnson, damn near perfect game on that Amon Ross St. Brown touchdown, I think, on the second drive of the game. Ben Johnson knew that Russell Douglas was going to jump that route in the red zone, so he added a double move to it, and Goff even came up to Russell Douglas after and told him about it, that they saw him jump in front in past years, that the Lions always ran that kind of like speed out um, down in the red zone, and so – in the 
years before he'd been jumping that no problem breaking it up or forcing incompletions. And then we added the double move. So that just goes to show that Ben Johnson is watching his own tendencies and he has something to combat that. So it was a slow start kind of in the first half with the interception. Second half, we didn't do a whole lot, but I think that the game script kind of transitioned to more running the ball and running out that clock. So when we needed to respond, we did. The Packers got up to 10 points at one point, and then we just sustained a nice drive, went down, kicked the field goal, Quay Walker had that uh, jumping over the uh, the center. That just set us up for another touchdown to pad it on a little bit more. Aaron Glenn, though, he was absolutely dialed in for this one, and I think you guys might have had like one total yard of offense in the first half, something crazy like that. But halftime adjustments, obviously, we let you guys come back a little bit. I feel like we wanted to be a little bit more conservative and a lot, I will say too, a lot of the reason why you guys were able to move the ball so much in the third is because we just killed ourselves with those penalties. And, you know, that kind of just brings me to what I have to say about the officials here. The Lions have gotten held on defense every single game. And it's not like I know everybody gets held, but there's certain plays where it's just so blatant and so such a big play. Like, for example, the Hutch play where he would have gotten that safety on Jordan Love. It was a blatant holding. In the end zone. And how the hell is that not getting called there? It happened against the Chiefs, the Seahawks, like every single game. And I'm not you know, going to be super critical about it because we ended up with a dub. But, I mean, some of these are absolutely ridiculous. And we had two bullshit helmet-to-helmet calls this game. We had the one last year week against uh, Bijan. And then we had two back-to-back, one on Anzalone and one on Ifatu Melifanwu. And I feel like these refs just hear like a big hit and they throw the flag. Putting a big hit on somebody isn't a penalty. It's not even helmet to helmet. I mean, they're leading when their shoulder and the instant replay shows it perfectly. So I think it should at least be reviewable. You know, and it's just kind of screwed us up. I think we gave up like 45 yards and penalties on one drive alone just because of that. And then obviously we had the clock hitting zero play. That was the deep bomb to Jaden Reed at the end of the third quarter. Clock clearly hit zero. They snap it a second late. And then they throw it for a big gain. I think that led to a a touchdown, I believe, if not a field goal. But yeah, I mean, officials far from perfect this game. Again, just wanted to mention it. If we would have lost it, you know, I'm sure I would be a little bit more bitter. But I'm just saying like the NFL has to fix this shit because I've been seeing blatant holds at critical moments every single game. We've had the helmet to helmets and then the clock hitting zero. I mean, they got to do something about that. That's huge. I don't get how that's not a reviewable play to be honest, but I'm, I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, you know, with like the, um, the game or not the game clock, the, um, the play clock, you get a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of wiggle room. There's a little discrepancy. You see zero and if the ball's not stopped, then it's done. But as soon as you see those zeros, the whistle blows. At least should be able to go back and be like, yep, the clock was at zero before the snap. No play. I think that's something that'll come up in the off season here, but let's wrap this game up. I tried to get through it without gloating too much. Brett, did I do an okay job? Or Yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of <laughs> down in the dumps about the team and the game right now. So but you, what you're saying isn't hurtful at this point. Yeah, if it would have, if we would have recorded on like Friday or Saturday or something, it might have been a little different. But <laughs> I've had my chance to blow off some steam and you know, take the dub. I moved on to next week already. I mean, at this point, we kind of really just have to expect this. I mean, you guys have been one of the greatest franchises in the NFL for the last 30 years, you know? So, I mean, when you get into this winning mentality, I mean, 
it's new territory for me. I mean, what are kind of your expectations? What have they been in the past when you kind of just expect the team to win week in and week out? Like, how do I handle myself going forward? Yeah, that's hard because, I mean, every week <laughs> going, like, there would be times where I would just be like, ah, I don't really need to watch that game that intently. Like, we'll pull it off. It'll be fine. We have Aaron. I don't know. The, right now, the way the team just looks all around, I, I think the your hopes have to be really high for this season. I mean, it's hard to not get ahead of yourself, but, like, at this rate, you guys look far and away the best team in the North. I don't see how how you would possibly miss out on the playoffs. Well, don't say that. Might no. be saying that truthfully, <laughs> and I might be saying that to try to jinx you, but uh... <laughs> I was gonna say, don't say that, man. I've thought that too many times, but I will admit that I've had years where I've been hopeful. Even last year, I felt helpful. You know, coming off appearances in the playoff, like 2015, 2016. Those years, like I felt pretty good about our chances, but this actually does feel different. And I feel like it's because we are built the right way. I actually have faith in our coordinators. I have faith in what we're trying to do on offense and defense. The players, I mean, they're just stepping up. We've got such a young core. I mean, the future is looking bright. And I really, I'm not saying like Super Bowl or bust or anything like that. But I would like, I said it before the year started, I want to see an NFC North championship or a playoff game win at this point. I think I'm just going to say both because the NFC North should be ours. I mean, I definitely think the Packers are probably our biggest challenge and I don't think the Vikings are as bad as they have been or as their record says they are one and three right now. But looking at our schedule and stuff, I mean, we got through the tough ones. We knew the chiefs would be hard. The Seahawks would be tough. Falcons have been better than expected. And then you never take the Packers lightly when you're going into Lambeau too. So we've gotten through our four biggest challenges to start the year. So I'm just excited for what the future holds. We've got another revenge game coming up next week. And if it kind of, I said that against the Seahawks too, I thought that'd be an easy win. It wasn't. So not taking the Panthers lightly either. I'm still, I've got that scar tissue still. I'm not there where I can just sit back and relax and say, we got this in the bag yet. Speaking of bags, let's get to our game balls and our burning bags of dog shit. Belly, who's getting your game ball, friend? I did this in about two seconds this morning, but my game ball was, I don't care, whoever Corbin wants to give a second one to, be my guest. (laughs) Very thoughtful. Well done. All right, I'll give out two then. John, who's getting your game ball? I'm getting my own game ball because I got Lions plus 1.5 a week prior to this game. What did it close at? I forgot. Minus two. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I've, I was feeling pretty good going into the game. Especially because Florida doesn't allow sports betting, and I didn't know that until I got down there, and I couldn't place any bets, but I had made this one before I left, so at least I had that. Yeah, at least you got like a little $10 winner or something like that. It was a little $50 bonus bet, so... All right, ooh, don't need to go in five Big money, big money! <laughs> yeah, flexing those units on that's, us. Really that's nice. nine units. What about you, Brett? Who's getting your uh, game ball this week? Uh, my game ball kind of mentioned him, uh, Manji. I mean, get that guy in free agency and watching him run, frankly, probably better than he did on the Bears at any point, and making a first-round draft pick in Jameer Gibbs, although he's good, 
stay on the bench because of how well Manji is playing, he gets the game ball. I think that was his very first win ever against the Packers. And I think in his career, he put up two touchdowns against the Packers as a bear and he put up three this game. So I think it was a kind of revenge game for him on his time with the bears. So I'm glad that he got it done. It was uh, itching to get in on this one. It was definitely a, a little spite in each one of those runs. For me, I'm going to give my game ball to Jerry Jacobs. I said it before. He had a nice bounce back. The two picks, he had some good tackles too. Very sticky in coverage. He is a solid corner, and it's good to see him bounce back after going through some adversity to start the year. David Montgomery's obviously got to be one, but I'm going to give it to Aiden Hutchinson because he really has entered that elite territory only the three players, him, Max Crosby, and Micah Parsons, had 29 quarterback pressures to start the year. That is elite company. And, I mean, as good as Brian Branch has been playing, Aiden Hutchinson is the guy on that defense, and he continues to put his stamp on it week in and week out. Out of the burning bags of dog shit. Belly, who's getting the burning bag from you? I was kind of out of pocket this week. I didn't really watch much football at all, but – the game I did go to is the Titans Bengals, and the Bengals look like absolute shit. So they're getting my burning bag for the week. Uh, first win for the Titans. Yeah, I, I'm I'm uh, surprised that team is so bad, but I guess the Bengals are worse. All right, John. What about your burning bag of dog shit? Oh, we had really good game. So I, I don't know. I just was thought it's kind of dumb that people can't watch their own team on a Thursday night game so you lose a week of watching your team because you don't subscribe to Amazon Prime uh, because your team is good and is getting flexed into these other primetime spots it just kind of sucks well the Thursday game is typically reserved for the shitty teams but hold on they've been trying to make them more attractive so wait wait. I mean Lions Packers that's a game you one you don't have amazon prime oh i do oh then what's the issue I just i know that there were people <laughs> who don't have amazon prime who are lions fans who couldn't watch oh, you're looking, out. I just you're think looking out for the little guy okay <laughs> looking out All for right. the people of the world oh yeah I, I, yeah my mom has amazon prime don't worry <laughs> john's, a, john's a very empathetic guy he's <laughs> just yeah. very concerned about everybody else yeah just a modern day football Gandhi over here. Anti corporation. <laughs> that made me spit right. out my water. A modern day football Gandhi. <laughs> John the Mudbone. Yeah. What about you, Brett? Who's getting your burning bag? Well, at first I was going to say Matt LaFleur. We kind of already touched on him, but mine is going to be the Chicago Bears. Boy, what a shithole franchise that is. Uh, they're, they're a disaster. Complete dumpster fire. It's phenomenal to watch as a Packers fan. Yeah, it's comical at this point, honestly. First the DC, the Justin Field comments, and then I wasn't watching the game like I was busy on Sundays and didn't have a red zone. So I see that he has like 300 yards, three touchdowns, something like that, and the Bears are up like 28 to uh, you know, whatever, single digits. And then I look back later and they lose the game, and I'm like, what the fuck happened? Of course they blew like a 20-something point lead, I mean, blew my mind. So, bears are going to bear. Oh, my burning bag of dog shit this week. I got a couple of choices here, but 
I'm going to avoid the Lions play, players this week. I'm giving it to that bitch in the yellow jacket who dumped the beer on Amon Ross St. Brown. I did a little bit of sleuthing online to try and find out who it was because I thought it was this one guy at first, and then I saw the yellow sleeve, and then I see an alternate angle, and I see it was this chick in the yellow jacket. Fuck her, man. He's just trying to celebrate with the Lions sitting up over there, the only ones we had, and whatever. She'll get hers. <laughs> you trying to track this lady down? Corbin's yeah. going to dox her. Wait, <laughs> like, did you try to find out who she was on social media? No, I just wanted to see who it was, get like a face. And then like, I don't know, you kind of, you kind of, like you kind of sighed a little bit there. Like you did try, Ooh. maybe hit Your a quick phone phone number, search. send a threatening like, yeah. voicemail. <laughs> it's a reverse image search on her. You're going to fucking die. Oh, I could have, <laughs> I can already picture the just Twitter comments. <laughs> I didn't have any bet. I'm a very gracious winner, okay? So I didn't How really could go you do that to Amon Ra? How could you do that? Yeah, he's a nice guy. His brother is on the team. Well, no, he's on the Bears now, but whatever. Ask Micah Parsons what I did to him online. <laughs> <laughs> totally destroyed, Micah. He knows. Yeah, I'll get him. Aiden Hutchinson's coming for him. Then he's got to go against Penny Sewell. We'll get to that in a couple of weeks here later on in the season. But let's put a nice bow on that one. Lions 3-1 and one on top of the division, the NFC North. We've got a grudge match coming up next week against the Panthers. Carolina is coming to Detroit Sunday, October 8th. Game is at 1 p.m. Panthers are currently 0-4. The spread is set at Lions minus 8.5. Over-under is set at 44. Last week, the Vikings got their first win of the season over the Panthers, 21-13, on a defensive touchdown to put them up. It was a pretty close game through and through, but... Last year, nobody can forget, probably the most disappointing loss of the season. We got murked by the Panthers, 37-23. to 23. They had 320 rushing yards and 570 total yards against us. So that was an absolute embarrassment. I think that was Christmas Eve, too. So that wasn't a good way to kick off a holiday. Brett, you were mad about how the Packers have to play the Lions on Thanksgiving. That happened to me Christmas Eve. And then we lost Thanksgiving to the Bills, so... It was a bad holiday season for me in 2022. Hopefully your uh, holidays are a little bit uh, jollier this year. Well, I think we've got a good shot at this point. But first things first, before we get into the game, I wanted to talk about the big piece of news. I mean, you would think after you know the Thursday night football game, we win decisively it was a dominant performance one of the most dominant wins that we've had in a while just because it was at Lambeau against the Packers our biggest rival then the very next day NFL announces that they changed their policy on gambling betting on non-NFL games at a team facility was reduced to just two games for your first violation if you remember Jamison Williams was suspended for six so they lifted his suspension he is eligible to return this week against the Panthers. The suspension is done. JMO is back. Free JMO actually worked, and he is here. So I am happy we get our first round pick from last year back, and he is going to be a key piece of that offense. Even if he's not putting up stats, you know, 100 yards, two touchdowns, the impact that he has on defenses is going to be, it's going to make Ben Johnson and Jared Goff's job so much easier. Because we don't have that guy who's that speed deep ball threat right now. Marvin Jones isn't getting it done. Josh Reynolds is nice, but you know he's not a world beater by any means. 
Jamison Williams is going to take this offense to the next level, and I am absolutely stoked. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. We've only seen him have one catch so far, but it was a pretty cool one. Friggin' sick. It is gonna and be. And you've sick. always got the best analysis. It's deep. It was sick and it was deep. Honestly, both of those things are true. It's gonna be balls deep in defenses, that's for damn sure. But So I strive for Jonathan, it's accuracy, baby. You just called me the wrong name. <laughs> Jonathan. Your name's not your name's not Jonathan? Uh, my mom just liked John. Oh, tough girl. Your name's actually not Jonathan, it's just John. It is, yes. Do you have you used that a lot? It sounded like you had that holstered from like years of trauma in elementary school. Like, uh, you called me the wrong name. <laughs> you get Jonathan, you get who's Jonathan that? a lot. I can't believe you missed it by so much. <laughs> I wanted to name a dog Jonathan, honestly. That'd be a good name for a dog, Jonathan. <laughs> that would be a really funny dog name. <laughs> Nathaniel, too. It'd be great for this podcast, especially. John, shut up! <laughs> Damn it, Jonathan. I don't think Jamison Williams is going to be used too much, honestly. He had a hamstring injury out of camp right before the suspension set in, but Campbell said that he's healthy. He's still probably going to be on a snap count. You know, he hasn't been able to practice. He's been away for the from the team for like three, four weeks now. So I think they're going to ease him in. Um, I'm just glad that the NFL kind of got this right because there was a lot of people who understood that the policy is bullshit. It sounded like he was betting on a college football game when it was in Chicago at a hotel, and that counts it as a team facility. That means six games, so I thought that was crazy. They ended up um, moving the uh, – like, they adjusted the penalties. So if, like, you're betting on your own team in a game, it's increased from one-year suspension to two. So, like, Calvin Ridley, if he does it again – well, he's a second-time offender, but you get what I mean. And then uh, taking a look at our injuries here, Taylor Decker, he did re-aggravate his ankle a bit, um, but he said he might just have to play through it. Campbell said today in his presser that he should be okay. And then keeping an eye on Brian Branch as well after his ankle injury, not a whole lot has came out on him, but he was able to go back into the game, so maybe he'll just tough it out. If there is a game where we want to rest him, it might be this one because we got the Bucks the week after, and they've been playing pretty well. Kirby Joseph's in the same boat. We haven't heard a whole lot from him. He did have a hip injury that kept him out against the Packers. Um, another guy who should be looking to see some starting snaps here, Emmanuel Mosley, the guy we got in free agency from the 49ers, is looking like he might make his debut. He was the 49ers' best corner until he went down with an ACL injury last year, so We've got Jerry, who's solid right now, but if we can pair him with Cam Sutton and he can be kind of on that level, we could have two bookends, and then Jerry's great depth to have, too. If, if God forbid, we have another injury. We've already had enough this year, so I'm pretty sick of it at this point. But let's get into breaking down the game here. Um, First off, Bryce Young's kind of the uh, the tail of the town in Carolina. He was the number one pick out of Alabama, and he has not been looking good so far. He's kind of like a short guy. You thought he might be able to do some things with his legs, but no, that's not the case. So far this season, he has 67 completions on 103 attempts, 503 yards passing, two touchdowns, and two interceptions for three games. He was out the uh, week before. Uh, I can't remember who they played, but Andy Dalton was the starter. And honestly, I'd be more scared going up against Andy Dalton. Uh, I the see why the Panthers are. Yeah, the Red Rocket is scary, but 
I know the Panthers kind of just need to get their guys some starting experience. And this is kind of a throwaway year. They are definitely one of the worst teams in the NFL. So now means this one should be a layup. We should dominate this game offensively. I mean, they've got some nice pieces, Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard at running back. Both of them, not very good. Miles Sanders. I mean, I like him as a running back, you know, they're good receivers as well, but they haven't been able to do much. Uh, the receiving core, I mean, they got Adam Thielen. He's their leading receiver right now. We know him all too well, just a savvy vet who can just get open. He can make some tough catches, just a very well-rounded wide receiver. Then they've got Terrace Marshall, DJ Chark, and Hayden Hurst at tight end too. Chark's been healthy. He's had some good plays so far this year. Terrace Marshall is like a third-year player out of LSU, and then Hayden Hurst is just a veteran tight end. So other than that, I mean, these guys are all kind of – you know, just solid They're but they're not game breakers by any means. So we shouldn't have any problem against their offense this game. Defensively. I think that's where they're probably strongest. Derek Brown and Brian Burns on the defensive line are kind of their, their two beasts. Um, those are kind of the two main playmakers. You got Frankie Louvu at linebacker, just a nice solid veteran. And then Jeremy Chin, he had that one game where I think he had like two back-to-back defensive touchdowns, but he's just kind of been like a, a solid safety too. Not a whole lot of threats defensively. I feel like that's where we might have some struggles, but our offenses look so good lately that I just don't see us struggling at all in this game. I'll say it again. I felt that way against the Seahawks. I thought it would be a revenge game, and then we fell flat. But I do think we've learned our lesson. That's going to bring us to our predictions here. Belly, who you got? Uh, I just wrote some scratch down. I said infinity to infinity minus one. Lions are going to take the victory. Let's go with. 24 23. Close game. Okay. That's disrespectful. What about you, John? Uh, I actually originally had the same score as you, Corbin, but I didn't want to have the exact same score. So I just did uh, Lions 31, Panthers 10. Pretty dominant. Right there with you. What about you, Brett? Who's taking this one? So the Lions 27 14. I think. I think it'll be close until midway through the third, and then the Lions will pull away. I've got the score at 34-10. to 10. I just don't see Bryce Young putting up a lot of points on us. Adam Thielen, you know, he's a great wide receiver, but we play better this year. I mean, I guess the Chiefs and the Packers, I mean, not the best. And Christian Watson, I mean, he's coming off of the injury too. But, yeah, I don't really see him as a threat. I think he's probably a step up from Desmond Ritter, but definitely a step below Jordan Love. And if we can, you know, bring the pressure like we did last week against the Panthers, we've got 10 days rest too, which is nice is a nice advantage for us. I got 34-10 Lions. They're going to win in a blowout here. All right, without further ado, Ben. Let's talk some bets with betting with the belly. We're back with betting with the belly. As always, we pick a favorite and underdog and over and an under. Uh, to go over last week, it was a pretty much a wash among the boys as we all went two and two. Moving right into this week, we're going to talk favorites. Corbin, kick it off. My favorite this week is the Buffalo Bills home against the Jaguars. They are five and a half point favorites. Jags have been off to a pretty slow start. They lost to the Texans two weeks ago. They had a bounce back win this week, but the Bills have been absolutely on fire. They lost to the Jets week one, and they have not looked back. They've won the last three, and they even gave the Miami Dolphins their first win. They put up like 40 to 50 on them, so Dolphins couldn't keep up. Jaguars aren't going to keep up, and it's in Buffalo, so I'm pounding the Bills minus five and a half. 
Yeah, Bills are definitely heating up. I like that pick. Uh, for myself, I'm going to go ahead and take the Ravens minus three and a half against the Steelers. Kenny Pickett just got a little banged up. Uh, they said they don't think he's going to miss time, which I was surprised because originally they thought he tore something. Um, but yeah, definitely give me the Ravens. I think they're just the better team. And uh, John, you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, I, I agree. I thought that this was a pretty, pretty small line for the Ravens. They've been playing really well lately, and the Steelers are just kind of offensively unimpressive, but I mean, they're always the Steelers on defense. Uh, so I've got the Ravens over the Ben Stillers. Yeah, like the pick, made it too. Brett, talk to me. All right, I have Bills minus five and a half versus the Jags, same as Corbin. Uh, Bills have been on a heater since they got embarrassed by the Jets uh, week one. I, the more I was thinking about this game and thinking about it, Corb, I know you said it's in Buffalo. It's actually in London again. Um, oh, shit. Makes okay. me a little bit nervous considering the Jags are just staying over there and the Bills are going to have to fly over. So I'm still going to keep it, but I, I'm a little iffy on it this point i didn't even realize that the jags are basically home at london i don't even think they play for the people of jacksonville anymore they always show out when they're over the uh over the ocean yeah there's gonna be that time zone difference and the jags are probably staying in london this week that's probably why the line is as small as it is honestly but still i'm not betting against josh allen after what he's been doing the past few weeks no way yeah everybody on the bills is heating up but we're gonna move on to some American dogs. Corbin. Tell us about your dog, Jonathan. <laughs> a dog, Jonathan. He is a Texan this week, plus one and a half going to Atlanta. The Texans and the Colts are kind of the two, and the Cardinals too. They're all really gritty teams in my opinion, but C.J. Stroud has been doing great. He's looking like the best quarterback out of this rookie class coming into this year, and the Falcons have been faltering a little bit. Texans have no problem putting up points, and it's been pretty clear the last two weeks if the Falcons fall behind, they're not able to keep up. They're coming back from London. They're going to be thrown out of that time zone, so disregard my argument from uh, for the Bills-Jags going to affect the the Falcons and not the Bills so much so yeah Texans one and a half point favorites I'll take them I think they're riding high I have the Texans as well my friend um yeah Desmond Desmond Ritter is just not the answer I think the Heineke show is going to show up before long and uh maybe Kyle Pitts will actually be worth something in fantasy John anything to add no we we all like a lot of the same teams this week I took the Texans too that's the way she goes. I'll let you do it first next time we have the same pick. Uh, Brett, tell us about your dog. I got the Saints plus one and a half versus the Pats. This is going to be an absolute suck fest of a game. Uh, <laughs> Celeste uh, is going to win. I just think it's going to be the Saints. Uh, Mac Jones is pretty terrible. Yeah, he got benched for the zap. Zappy's not even bad. Derek uh, Carr's shoulder was fucked up. I'd rather see Jameis Winston out there, honestly. Oh, he's the most, he's the best football player ever. There is no <laughs> chance you ever want to miss a game when Jameis is playing quarterback. So could fun. it be, could it be 500 yards with six touchdowns? Could it be 200 yards with nine picks? You really have no idea what's coming with famous Jameis. I love Jameis Winston. Speaking of a uh, Jameis Winston game where they score a lot of points, let's get to the over Corbin. Looks like you're sticking with the home team. I'm taking the Lions Panthers over 43 and a half. Pretty low line. 
don't see the Lions have any problem putting up 30 points on this team. I mean, if the Panthers can at least score like two touchdowns, make it 17 points or something, that over is hitting. So I could see it being like, you know, 30, you know, 34, 14, 34, 17 type of game going over like 50. So, yeah, I don't think that the uh, the Panthers will have any answer for the Lions, and I could see some garbage time points for them at the very end. If the kind of the defensive game plan against the Packers, they kind of loosened up a little bit and let them come back into it. So I'd like to see a domination, but I'm taking the over 43 and a half this week. Yeah, Bryce Young could just throw nine picks and have that kind of Jameis game. We'll see. And then maybe the overall hit, maybe it won't. I don't know. For me, I got the Eagles, the Rams, Puka Nakua, Kyron Williams coming out of nowhere, performing a bunch. And the Eagles, well, we all know who they are. Expect a lot of points in that game. John, how you feeling about those Niners? Niners, Cowboys, over 45. I, the Niners are putting up like, 30 points a game and the Cowboys have a pretty dangerous offense too. So I felt like that was a little low. Yeah, it definitely could have been higher. Brett. Yeah, I have the same. I have uh Niners Cowboys over 45. I think, you know, both defenses are pretty stellar. Uh, I just think their offensive efficiency is outweighing uh, how good each defense is. So I, I expect this game to be a high shooting game. Yeah, a couple of good teams. That'll be a good little battle. Corbin, wrap up this category with the under. I'm taking the Chiefs-Vikings under 52.5. That's a lot of points. I get it. In theory, Chiefs and Vikings, you know, Vikings, they have some good playmakers. Chiefs do as well. But I think that this one's going to be a, a little bit more mild scoring, maybe like a 24 to 14 win Chiefs. They haven't really put it together too much offensively. I mean, Lions held them to 20, Jets held them to 23. You don't count the Bears because they absolutely suck. But 52 and they a half is just a lot of points. They do stink. Yeah, I'd get to my under, but I'm going to let my good friend John, not Jonathan, uh, take it from here. Uh, yeah, Ben and I, three out of the same, or three out of four picks this week are the same. Uh, Bengals, Cardinals, under 44 points. Uh, I don't know what the hell's going on with the Bengals, but until they turn it around, I think they suck right now. And, uh, Cardinals, I, I don't know. I mean, that's just probably, they're never going to blow anyone out of the water. I don't know. Josh Dobbs, he's got that hairline speed because there's no drag. <laughs> he's got alopecia, man. That's not funny. Is that what it is? I I, I was wondering because he doesn't have the eyebrows. Last year I was calling him Charlie Villanueva. Very insensitive. <laughs> Charlie Villanueva had alopecia? Oh, yeah. 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 So I was one. I had to look it up because I didn't know the difference between just male pattern baldness and alopecia. You never watched Blue's Clues then, man. What does Blue's Clues have to do with that? The original Steve, he got kicked off the show because, or he walked away because he had alopecia and he lost all his hair. So that's when Cousin Drew or whatever the hell was, Cousin Joe, I think his name was, he took over for Steve because Steve had alopecia. I don't want to be insensitive, but it's not like alopecia is like some terminal disease, is it? I think he went to focus on like art or photography or whatever he wanted to do with his life. He was done. I remember he said that he didn't, he thought that like kids wouldn't identify with him as much when he lost his hair or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but okay, doesn't but matter. Why, why does like why does like Jaden Pinkett Smith 
and Will Smith act like it's just such a terrible disease, like they're going to die. It's not like cancer. Like, uh, I'm, I not gonna don't fight. I'm not going to I'm not going to. We're Listen, we got Wholesome John looking out for the prime viewers. I don't think we're going to be bashing the people. I'm just curious. I'm not trying to bash people with alopecia. <laughs> but people go bald all the fucking time. Like, why does it matter? <laughs> I will say you better watch your mouth because I think I see Will Smith coming behind you. I see a I'm whole just, alopecia Twitter community coming down. Your ass. I'm just asking the questions here. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I am genuinely curious why everyone acts like it's a big deal. Like you don't see me throwing a pity party for going bald. <laughs> well, tune in next week because we're going to find someone with alopecia to bring it to Corbin's attention. How tough it can be. <laughs> I would like guess. to be educated, please. That would, <laughs> that would be so funny. Let's do it. You think we could get Josh Dobbs? dude we'll write to him like we're doing like a like a legit alopecia awareness seminar that would be our second canceled moment on this show (laughs) i was like that i don't think alopecia is a cancel worthy oh you don't know man you i don't think anyone knows no one's been able to answer me just like oh man you don't fuck with alopecia that's all i don't know (laughs) i respect him enough to not find out We don't touch it. We don't touch it here. Just curious, that's all. Anyways, did we finish these or does Brett Brett still has to do his under, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry, I got sidetracked with that. Like, move it along. Move it along. Yeah, take it away uh, with the last under for the bet with the belly there, Brett. Hey, uh, I got Rams, Eagles, under 50. I'm going to be honest. I don't, I don't have a great reason for this game. I... I just think the Eagles have not looked like last year's Eagles, and I kind of want it to go over, to be honest, because Puka Nakua is awesome to watch, and both teams are, they got some fun players, but that's going to be my bet. I'm going to stick to it. <laughs> love, love, love the confidence, man. And that's going to do it, wrapping up that with the belly. All right, Ben, back to you. Let's get a Survivor League update. Not a lot of movement this week. A lot of favorites, a lot of hits. No, sir. A lot, a lot, a lot of hitters, which is not something we want for survivors ourselves. The only person who got something wrong, someone, I can't recall who, won't put them on blast on the internet, just like people with alopecia, but they picked the Bengals over the Titans, and that was a silly pick. I was there baking in the sun, and the Bengals looked like shit. Um. To go over last week, we had myself with the Eagles and Corbin and John with the 49ers. As we said, we all moved on. And it uh, looks like there's going to be some more similarities this week. Corbin, go on a rant. This is the week of the Lions. It's time to take them. I was really close to taking the Dolphins as well because I got to take on the, the Giants. But I don't like picking a team that I haven't seen play just yet. So Lions have the biggest spread it's got to hit, man. If I lose from the Lions losing to the Panthers, it's just going to be a double loss here. So I'm riding with the boys. They're riding high. They're not going to take them for, you know, this this win in Green Bay for granted. This is the time to pick the Lions this week. I agree. That is my pick as well. Bryce Young has looked atrocious, and they're just going to keep rolling them out. Like, the fact that the Bears are probably going to have picks one and two next year is just insane. And that's because of the Panthers. John, anything to add? Uh, uh, like Corbin, I was between the Lions and the Dolphins. So I wanted to save the Dolphins for for a couple weeks down the line because I saw a nice little matchup they had. So went with the Lions. 
Yeah, big Lions Nation over here for the pod. Brett, do you have uh, anyone you want to toss out there? Packers. Packers. And even they play the Raiders. McDaniels is crumbling. He's going to be fired here in a week or two. Aiden O'Connell, I saw him rip up Michigan State when he was at Purdue, but uh, he doesn't stand a chance. So. Is it in Lambeau? No idea. We're going to win. Devontae <laughs> Adams' revenge game. <laughs> the part is you got no skin in the game, so that's a Doesn't fair Doesn't matter. Pick. Going. <laughs> All right, so that's our Survivor picks for this week. Let's move on to Fantasy Survivor. John, I got to be the host of this one last week, but welcome back. Take it away. Last week, Corbin had 90 points, bringing his total up to 303.04. And Ben had a really rough week, only 41.16 points behind a little bit he's got 265.12 and i had my best week yet 112 points bringing me up to 305.32 so uh corbin who you got for this week yeah nice job john but i'm bouncing back this week at quarterback i got Tua tonga viola going to new york well actually it's home in Miami against the Giants. Haven't seen them play this week, but I'm not super impressed by their defense, and the Dolphins really have had no issue putting up points. I got Josh Jacobs taking on Green Bay. That actually is in Las Vegas, and I don't know, Brett, I'm sorry to say this, but the Packers really didn't seem like they could stop the run, and Josh Jacobs was one of the best running backs last year, so I expect a big game from him. I'm handcuffing Tyreek with Tua. Is kill it every single game. A little bit of a slump going against the Bills, but he's going to have like 10 catches for 150 yards and probably two touchdowns. It's just kind of the norm with Tyreek nowadays. And tight end, a little bit of a sleeper here. Cole Komet had a kind of a, his best game of the year uh, last week against the Broncos with two touchdowns. They're taking on the Commanders on Thursday night football, and I think he's going to be one of the primary targets for him. All right. Well, I think uh, Tyreek is always a safe bet. See what the rest of them two is also looking great. That that could be a good stack. How about you, Ben? Um, for myself, I got absolutely throttled last week, so we're going for a bounce back with some absolute slingers. We got Patrick Mahomes at the Vikings. We're gonna pair him up with Travis Kelsey. Hopefully, get a little stack action there. On top of that, I got Josh Jacobs going off his first big game of the season against the Packers. Hopefully, he can make some noise. And then we got Stefan Diggs, who has just been electric this season versus the Jags. Back to you, Jonathan, not John. Uh, yeah, you guys are both chasing the dragon with Josh Jacobs' good game last week. But uh, I am going to go with Lamar versus Pittsburgh. Divisional game. Lamar has been killing it with the rushing touchdowns. I got David Montgomery versus Carolina. Going to kill it with the, the touchdowns as well. Garrett Wilson versus Denver. There's a lot of wide receivers, and he got like a million targets a game so far this season. And then Zach Ertz versus Cincinnati, because I just think he's probably going to get hurt. Oh, you're falling back to earth. <laughs> that is a shit lineup, John. <laughs> <laughs> we're chasing Belt. the dragon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we're heroin addicts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that got uh, me fucking good. <laughs> how is that a sh- in what way is that a shit lineup? Lamar is like QB4. Montgomery has had two touchdowns every game. Wilson gets a million targets, and tight ends suck. Listen, he just, just said had a bad... Stiller's defense. 
he's he had a bad week. All right, he had a good week. He's uh, he's trying to even out the the, the big dogs. I'm happy for it because I need a comeback week. So great. I just yeah. don't want to use all my good players uh, up front. Blow your wad early. That's my motto. Yeah. Go to bed. <laughs> Fantasy Survivor picks are locked in. Let's get in those guts, Belly. We're going to the bowels of the belly. Yeah, uh, like I said, pretty eventful week for myself. Um, We had the Lions Thursday. I golfed Saturday morning, went to the Titans game on Sunday. But I need to tell you a little story about this golf match. So we're playing, and um, we, we we are tied going into the back nine. And me and my buddy start off with a nice, ripe three bogeys in a two man scramble. So we are chasing. We're down three. So we do stroke play and match play. So the rest of the time, I can't keep a drive in play. And I'm like, dude, we just need to get one back. And then we can just, we'll figure it out. So um, right before that hole, though, it's a par three. I convinced the guy that we're playing against a shotgun with me. I poke like I shotgun it. And both of them just spray me right in the eyeballs. So I'm all disoriented walking up to the tee box. Just many beers deep, soaked in white cloth. Um, I had rain glove on though because you sweat a lot in Tennessee, so you got to keep uh, keep the grip on the club. I've thrown a six <laughs> iron or two on accident, um, but anyway, uh, pop out the old Hama ten iron, put it to eight feet. I'm like, look at my partner. I'm like, this is time. We're coming back, and we're still chasing three. So um, I end up making the ten footer for birdie. So we're roll, and then they're pissed. The other team is so mad at us because they've been just in control the entire game. Next up, go off the tee. I just drill it so far out of bounds, it's not even funny. And so then my partner goes up, rips a great shot, puts it in the fairway. We chip on. I miss the putt. He makes it like a 14-foot birdie putt. So now we're within one. Next hole, um, we both have a decent approach shots, par five. I got a chip, and I'm like, you know what? I haven't chipped in in a long time. And so I chip, and it hits the pin. And then it goes like – six feet away, but I was like, Oh fuck. I thought I called it. Um, so then, uh, we end up par and tying that one. So we're chasing one with one to go. I of course hit my drive straight out of bounds again. <laughs> my partner picks me up. So we're going, uh, we're into the wind and we hit a shot and we land on the green, but we still got like 60 feet. They ran one uh, just off the green, but easily up and down, especially in a scramble. Um, earlier in the day before the round started, we're on the putting green and Anthony's warming up like four foot putts. And all I'm doing is 60 foot putts. And he's like, it's like the stupidest thing to warm up to golf to. I go, but what if one goes in? So sure enough, I go up to line up my putt. I look at my partner. I go, I was practicing 60 footers today. <laughs> I hit it. Boom, bang, match one. They were so <laughs> mad at me. I started doing like the high knee run around on the fairway, just being making an ass out of myself. <laughs> and sure enough, as soon as I make the putt, uh, so if I would have missed, we would have lost $40. But since I made it, we won $40. So, of course, the guy, the one of the guys in the other cart screaming at me, he's like, you're a fucking sandbagger. This is bullshit. And I'm like, dude, we tied. We tied in match play and we won by one in stroke play. I was like, the match couldn't have gotten more even. Sorry, I made a 60-foot putt because that happens so often. <laughs> How could they claim anyone is sandbagging when they made a 60-foot putt? To win. Like, to win the game, it, if I would have missed, it, we would have tied in uh, on that hole, and it would have been pretty much they won by one. So instead, we won by one, and I, like, broke it down for him. I was hitting him with facts. Oh, I was on cloud nine all Saturday thinking about that putt. Did you even know these guys? Oh, yeah. It was my roommate and my best work friend. 
but, sandbagger. Like he hasn't played with you before when you're yeah. shanking like every tee shot out of bounds too. <laughs> so yeah, like I hit, I counted them. I hit like seven balls out of bounds. Just my good shots came in when it counted. And that's how scramble works, baby. You kind of cursed yourself with the Corbin, how bad are you on it last week? You're just spraying everything 50 feet out. No, but dude, I also had like three solo birdies. So it was, it was actually a pretty good day. Oh yeah. Good bad shit, holes though. were bad. Good holes were good. Nice uplifting story for once. I feel like everything else is just awkward cringe. <laughs> They're normally Change pretty the funny. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a good one. It's normally my demise. An electric tail. It's normally yeah. a, my demise is what happens. <laughs> I thought I was going to end up with you throwing up. Just sprayed myself with two shotgun beers. You know, I'm all wet, but I got the rain gloves, so it's good. Yacked on hole two. <laughs> that is uh, something I tend to do. Is, uh, a yak on golf course is quite a bit. Just got to eject Ocedo, cuz. All right, good one, Bell. Let's wrap it up. What do you got for me this week? All right, so I hate this segment because it's so hard to come up with shit. But uh, I was asking around, and Brett tried to give you just a layup and say, like, you had to eat a whole turkey. So I'm going to go one step further, and I've uh, I've done some research on this. Um, so how it would work is you have to eat a four-pound so I've done the math. That's 3,424 calories of turkey every day. So you have to eat a four-pound turkey. I don't know the fucking increment of turkeys like I do coyotes. So just picture a four-pound <laughs> turkey. Um, <laughs> and so you have to eat that every day. But if you ever miss a day in a year, then you have to add a week on to the end of the year. So if you miss one day, you have to eat a year and a week, uh, one turkey every day. You have to eat three, four hundred calories of turkey every single day. Okay, so that's two hundred and eight turkeys. Four turkeys times oh, a day. Fuck. <laughs> so it's one turkey. Okay, so three hundred and sixty-five turkeys. I have to eat. Yeah. Yes. Everyone I miss adds a week. And it, so, like, you can miss a day, but that adds seven turkeys. Does it, does it just have to be four pounds of turkey or do I just start with a one whole turkey a day and I have to eat every bit of the turkey? You get a fresh Costco rotisserie dropped off on your porch in that little uh, takeout box thing that they come in and you have to eat one of those every day. So food for thought. It, has, it has to stay in that form, right? He can't like turn it into turkey nuggets or something like that. Um. I knew that he was going to do something like that, um, but I don't. <laughs> I don't. I'm think, getting out ahead of it. I don't think. I don't think it matters as much. Because turkey nuggets. Who the fuck is making turkey nuggets, dude? You don't have to worry about that. Could okay. I make a turkey sandwich? Uh, I think <laughs> Who you would just make gotta, a turkey nugget. I think you just got to get the turkey down. But like, I was thinking about it. Even if you start putting turkey and all that other shit, you're going to be real sick of turkey. And then uh, a little bit of math and stats on this. If you, in one year you will have eaten one million two hundred forty nine thousand seven hundred sixty calories of turkey. <laughs> lean meat, it is lean meat. Well, it's basically like a keto diet. Then I would just I mean, consume turkey and nothing. The carnivore else. diet. I mean, you could eat whatever else you want, and I mean, I would have to. Oh, I'd have to top it off with a popsicle or something because that is just so much turkey. That would fucking suck. I mean, it's only for a year, so yeah, I think I would do it for a Lions Super Bowl. Corbin, do you how much? How many calories do you think you eat already in a day? 
I mean, basically, he would only eat turkey. Yeah, I would. I would. When I make a meal in the crock pot, by day three, I'm sick of what's that came out of that crock pot. I mean, what's a normal amount of calories to consume in a day? Because I don't keep track of my calories. Three thousand four hundred twenty-four is quite a bit. You'd have to be working out pretty hard every day to need that much. Yeah, it would definitely suck. All right. Well, yeah, I'm gonna take it. I'm taking the win there. Eat the turkey. Fuck it. All right. So just to wrap it up, I won't give you the win yet. I will give you the win if you go out and buy a turkey and eat that for the day. And you got to give us updates as you're eating it. Go get a whole turkey, and I want you to take one down, and then you can answer. Okay. Deal. I'll pay for the turkey. Okay. Deal. All right. Get it. Well, I have no, to you, weigh it all you, out for you, too? It'll say on the sticker how much it weighs. Hey, haven't you ever been to the grocery store? Yeah, but it's got bones and stuff in it, too. All right, so it's got to be eight pounds with bones. Holy shit, that's, that's way a, different. Mm. <laughs> I would eat four pounds no, of No, no, no. Yeah. This, this, is, this is measured on just how much turkey it is. It's not with the bones. So this little nutrition facts thing I got up here, it's 64 ounces of turkey. So okay, that's, so that's four pounds. So four, four pounds, pounds of, of meat. meat. Yeah, every day. We'll do that, and I will prove it to you. It would suck. I would definitely want to eat something else, but yeah, I think I could get it down. All and right. If I'm working out too, I could consume three. I want to see you eat. I want to see you eat one. Let's see turkey. how you do with one. Just go buy <laughs> a couple you. of turkey breasts instead of a whole turkey, and then do it. Ah, uh, fuck white meat, dude. I'm all about the dark meat. All right, guys, that's gonna do it for this week. Thanks again for listening. If you haven't already, please follow, subscribe, like, and download on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other platform you listen to us on. Don't forget to leave us a review. Give us five stars. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at LikeCorbyAshi. We've got the Belly and the Fish Instagram and Twitter accounts going too. Feel free to reach out to us if you have any ideas or cool segments that you'd like to hear. And please continue to spread the good word. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, and anyone and everyone you can think of. We really appreciate the love and support, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Brett. Appreciate you coming out and giving us your Packers knowledge. John, any closing thoughts? Other than that burp I just did right in the middle of you talking? No, I think I'm okay. We keep it in there for character. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hopefully next time uh, it's after the Packers actually win. Yeah, we'll see about that. (laughs) Yeah, thanks again for coming on, Brett. Appreciate it. I know you got to get going. So we'll sign out for this one. That said... All right.